What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another wonderful show of Simply Walk the Talk. I am your host, Josh Holland, and today we are on video. I mean, obviously, if you're listening to this in your car, you're not on video, but you could be. So feel free to to go online once we start throwing some of this stuff up on YouTube. Um, you will definitely want to check this out. And today I have with me Mr. Lynn May. And what's up, man? How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing great. Many of you may be wondering why the hell is Lynn May in my living room in my in my house? Well, you're gonna find out because we've got some cool products here on the table. Um, and some, some things that have been near and dear to my heart, near and dear to my health, and uh, something that hasn't been quite so out in the open, but it will be after today, because I want you to know all the things that I do to optimize my health and my wellness, and uh, this man here has a lot of information for us to take note on, so you might wanna bookmark this one, save it, um, bit cast it, whatever you got to do, because there's going to be a lot of nuggets of information. Nuggets. <laughs> nuggets. <laughs> nuggets. No, no pun, right? <laughs> no pun intended. Okay. So, uh, Lynn May, please. And I know this is, this is the part of the, of interviews that I typically hate when someone says to me, why don't you tell the audience who you are? It's like, but I have to do it. I mean, you know, let's, let's let people know who you are, why you're here and, uh, let's have some fun. Uh, well, I mean, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share with your audience. Uh, you know, Len May, again, like you said, I'm the CEO and co-founder of a company called Endocana Health. And what we do in a nutshell is we use DNA to guide your experience with cannabinoids. So cannabis is a personal experience and it all starts with DNA. So our company uses uh, you know, a DNA test to give you a uh, guide to show you what's right for you and what things you should avoid. Because I think a lot of people don't talk about having an adverse experience with cannabis, but it, it definitely happens. So that's kind of uh, what we do. And, uh, but I have, I have a long-standing background in cannabis. And uh, over 25 years, uh, besides being a patient myself, I'm also an activist. I, I was an activist, I guess I am. I was the president of the Cannabis Action Network, held rallies for legalizing this amazing therapeutic substance, and uh, I was an owner and operator of dispensaries, cultivation facilities, and I got to the plant genetics and now the human genetics. So uh, I'm all in. <laughs> I love it. I, so yes, if you haven't figured it out by now, we are talking about cannabis, and we're going to use the term cannabis instead of weed, pot, marijuana, and we'll probably talk about the reasons why, mm -hmm. um, but we respect it as a plant medicine. And at least when speaking for myself, mm -hmm. I treat it very much intentionally and like with most of the things that I do in my life and in my career, I wanna know the ins and outs of it, the, the best ways to utilize it, the, the things that are synergistic to it, how it can affect the human health and, and uh, performance and all sorts of things, right? And so when I started to do some research into uh, Indocana Health and uh, IndoDNA, I started to understand quickly that like, wait a minute, even with my vast knowledge and experience down the rabbit hole of cannabis, I know nothing <laughs> compared to what this guy is going to tell us and, and what he's found. Uh, but before we get there, let's 
let's give the audience a sense of your background yeah. because I've, I've listened to you on a few other podcasts and I think your story is very relatable. Mm-hmm. I think it's an awesome story and um, I just want people to know the reasons why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, my background is uh, I was born in Lithuania. I immigrated to the United States when I was six years old and uh, um, went to school uh, and I always kind of had these many different thoughts to pop in my head. If Think about it as if you're in a computer and you have many windows open, that's sort of what's going on in my head all the time. So I wasn't the, like the student that was hyper all the time. I would just kind of dream and have all these. So I was diagnosed with ADD when I was a teen and I put on all kinds of prescription medication. And most of it sucked. Actually, all of it sucked. Some of it worked sort of, but it all made me feel bad. And I was hanging out with some older kids and they asked me if I wanted to smoke a cigarette. I was like, yeah, it's a cool thing to do. I'll smoke a cigarette. And I passed it around. And we're all sharing the same cigarette. And I took a drag of the cigarette and inhaled it, coughed, and it was not a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> they, it looked like a cigarette, but it was not a cigarette. But I went back to class, and the windows that were in my head sort of slowed out. And I could focus. And I was like, wow. And it, I liked the way it felt, so it became my medicine. And uh, I would, you know, it was, it was in Philadelphia many, many years ago and it wasn't legal. So it was very difficult to find uh, cannabis. But uh, when I did, uh, it was my medicine and then my parents would catch me and would punish me. And later on, my parents decided that they were going to take matters in their own hands. They're going to call the cops on their son and try to have me arrested. So that's exactly what they did. They uh, called the cops and tried to have me arrested for cannabis use. And the cops came and didn't arrest me, but they threw out my cannabis and my parents actually kicked me out. My dad kicked me out. So I was on my own uh, in my late teens. And uh, that started my journey to, I knew that it was medicine for me or, or a therapy or a wellness product, whatever you want to call it. I didn't know how it affected other people because I would consume it as we would call it recreationally. And uh, then I met these, uh, I was at a a music rally, uh, a concert called the Horde Festival. And this group of kids were... Wait, the Horde Festival? (laughs) Horde, H-O-R-D-E, I think. Oh my God. Horde Festival, whatever it is. It's a Horde Festival. (laughs) It had both. (laughs) Okay. But so these these kids had a booth and they had this banner, it's called... can cannabis action network and i was like it walked up and what are you guys doing they're like we're registering people to vote and with the more people we have to vote maybe we can vote for you know for cannabis reform uh so well, what do you guys what is the platform they're like well we're just registering people to vote long story short i became the president of the cannabis action network and i held a rally independence hall in philadelphia where there's a the constitution and declaration of independence all written on hemp paper by the way so <laughs> My keynote speaker was this lady named Elvie Masika. And Elvie was one of the first people to get federally prescribed cannabis. And I'm not sure that your listeners are aware, but the federal government used to have a program where they would actually uh, allow, there were 16 people that were allowed to get federally prescribed cannabis that was grown in Mississippi. And it was rolled in little cigarettes, came in a tin with a USDA label, and they could consume it legally, even though... It's federally illegal, Schedule One substance, and on the other end, our federal government has a patent on it. So I, I felt all this irony going on. And when I, and the LV has a degenerative glaucoma, 
she spoke. She lit up her uh, government weed. Uh, I did say weed because that's what we referred to it uh, back then. But she she lit it up. And there was federal rangers there. And nobody did anything. And I was like, wow, we're on the cusp of legalization. This is happening. That's powerful. Yeah, this is 1993. <laughs> so it, it didn't happen right away. But, it, you know, it, it is happening now. Um, but the thing that really, really resonated with me is in the morning I had a, there was a sculpture in my house that my girlfriend built and everybody was sleeping in my house. It was a part of this rally and we were woken up to a large, uh, a loud crash. And Elvie happened to walk into the sculpture and break it in pieces. She was legally blind. She never saw it was there until she sat down and started consuming cannabis. And that's where her glaucoma got better and she could see. So that moment was my aha moment. Wow. It would work for me, it works for her, and that started sort of my mission to see what it can do for other people. And that's kind of how I moved to L.A., got into the dispensary space, was, uh, had, you know, five dispensaries, and then really started focusing on this whole thing. Uh, once again, with ADD, my superpower, I can multitask, do a million things at once. Well, actually, it's probably no more than seven, <laughs> but we'll keep it at seven. But what happens is when I get... Uh, really, really into something, and there's a dopamine that's released because I crave that as somebody with ADD, I can hyper-focus. So I would hyper-focus on this thing. Why two people with the same exact symptomatic conditions consume the same cannabis but have a different experience? So I started researching, and I saw a video by this guy, Kevin McKernan, who's one of the first people genetically sequenced cannabis. So I started reaching out to him, Long story, like just a little bit longer, uh, <laughs> that I met Kevin, went to work with their company. And what I would do is I would uh, fly around the country, get plant material from different cannabis plants, bring it to my lab, extract the DNA, purify it, and send it to a sequencer so we can start the first, we started the first genetic library of cultivars, which is what we refer to as strains. Uh, and we can see genetically that if we call something I don't know, blue dream. We can get five samples of the same blue dream, but two of them are genetically identical, so they're blue dream. Two are sort of related to them, so they're cousins, but they're not blue dream. And the third, uh, the fifth one is not even close, so we have to find what that is. So strain names or cultivar names are really a guide for what it should be, which is the overall uh, profile of the plant. So not to get really geeky and sciencey, but I'll go for deep for one more minute and then we can uh, have fun with it. But this plant has somewhere around 500 different components to it. Uh, it has cannabinoids. It has terpenes, which are the essential oils the plant produces, flavonoids, all these different things work in concert to create an experience. And plus, we have DNA and we have genetics and epigenetics. So this plant that is inside of us already because we produce our own endogenous endocannabinoids. I'm not sure if your audience is aware of that, but there's a system called the endocannabinoid system. And what that does is a primary regulatory system. So think of it as um, a puppet master. So what it does, it gets signals from your body, from the other systems, and it modulates the chemicals that need to be released to regulate all your other systems. So the goal of the endocannabinoid system is to keep your body in balance, which is called homeostasis. And by it releases these two chemicals. One of them is called anandamide. So think of uh, anandamide, the word anand, 
in Sanskrit means bliss. So this is your bliss hormone. And this is what THC, which is the active ingredient that gives you this psychoactive experience, that's what it does in uh, in your brain. And the other one is uh, called 2-AG. It's a long name, but I'm not going to pronounce it a little. Just call it 2-AG. And that one is released to help modulate your digestive and immune systems. So together, and that's what CBD helps to promote and stimulate. So together, in concert with these cannabinoids, you're actually getting where you have a deficiency in what you're producing naturally, you're getting it from the plant, which is called a phytocannabinoid. So to get the right amount for you, for me, it's my individual experience, and your DNA guides your experience of what's right for you. So that's really geeky and sciencey, but I wanted to kind of set the, the baseline for what we're going to talk about. Lynn has set the tone for exactly uh, what you're strapping yourselves in for. Um, but the thing I love most about what you're talking about and, um, and what you're doing with your company is the fact that you're treating this, you're allowing this to be exactly what it is, which is a medicine, which it's backed by so much research. And of course, there's always going to be the, the naysayers. There's going to always be the people to say that there's not enough research. But at what point is it enough research for a person to, to, to believe it or not? Because, you know, I feel like when I feel a certain way by consuming, whether it be a CBD, a, a THC, a full spectrum, everything, um, there's certain experiences. And I'm similar to you in that, you know, I've never been diagnosed with ADD, but I know for a fact that whenever I consume the right type of cannabis, I hyper focus. Right. And, you know, and, and for the first time, I'll admit this is basically what I do before every podcast because I am hyper focused on the conversation. I'm hyper focused on what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we consumed just before this, right? Yep. You know, fortunately, we live in a state that uh, is legal recreationally, whatever that means, right? right? <laughs> but I also have a medical license in the state of New York. And so, you know, I brought some of the, the items that, um, that, that I use, mm-hmm. being that I can do it legally, right? Um, so it, it, it is interesting, right? And, I, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. But one of the things that I definitely want to talk about before we get into the problems around the industry, before we get into exactly what you're doing and going over my results, because um, stay tuned, we will be going over my results live. This will be the first time that he's telling me what my DNA, my DNA is saying about the the synergistic powers or properties of cannabis, right? Mm-hmm. So this is going to be really cool. So definitely stick with us. But before we do that, let's talk about why, you know, w- w- the fact that cannabis or hemp or marijuana or whatever you want to call it, the fact that it has so many uses from being a superfood mm-hmm. to, to being, you know, used for for uh, textiles for being used for clothing and ropes and it's one of the most durable substances why in the hell has it been so vilified can we can you talk about that and i know you know this and i know this but a lot of people out there right now don't know this and i grew up in a part of the world where you know i grew up in oklahoma and i grew up very conservative and you know it was like for me i didn't consume i didn't drink alcohol i didn't smoke marijuana, pot, weed, whatever you want to call it. I didn't do any of that because I was trying to be on the straightened path and it's just, you don't do it, you don't do it. But some of my best friends and loved ones around me were doing it and 
it was just like, it was very interesting. And then now looking back on that, I think to myself, what did I miss out on by not being sufficient within my endocannabinoid system? So here we go. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a, an interesting conversation. Uh, let, me, let me just give a little bit of history, I guess, and, and what we've been finding. And I also want to address your statement or question about not enough research. There is not enough research on purpose. It's a federally illegal, uh, prohibited substance. So when Schedule One means that it has no, uh, you know, medicinal purposes, there you can't do any research on a substance that is legal. However, the government did make a provision where cannabis that was cultivated in University of Mississippi, you can do research with that. However, that cannabis was specific type of cannabis that can't be found anywhere else in the dispensary, any other state. So the reason why the you know people or, or scientists or physicians say, show me the research, you can't show me the research, so I'm not backing this as much, is because they're talking about double-blind placebo studies, clinical trials. And so it's a catch-22. It's like you know, getting out of uh, your university and you have an amazing resume uh, set up and, and they're saying, okay, I'm going to go apply for this job, but you don't have any experience. Well, I can't get experience until you give me a job and it's a cash 22 and the same thing with this. So now that the laws are changing, we will start having a lot more. And I'm grateful that we have other countries like Israel, like Canada, Australia that are federally uh, allowing research of this amazing plant. Um, so history-wise, this plant's been used for thousands and thousands of years as a therapeutic substance, as a ritualistic substance. It, it, all, they found evidence in uh, an old uh, uh, Hebrew temple that were using, uh, you know, cannabis. Uh, Shen Dynasty, if I'm not probably mistaken the name of the dynasty in China, but they use it for thousands and thousands of years for therapeutic substance, uh, uh, therapeutic treatment. And what happened was, uh, you know, frankly speaking, that it had a lot to do with race in the United States. And the reason why uh, what we learned from is there was a couple different instances where Mexican farm workers were coming in and bringing this crop and they were consuming this crop and they were calling it marijuana. That's where we got marijuana from. It wasn't called marijuana back then. Our forefathers grew hemp and they grew cannabis. So there's two different types of uh, plants, really. There's the fibrous plant, there's the hemp plant that is used for rope and sails, uniforms. And I already mentioned, you know, all the documents and the paper, it was all made with hemp. And then you have, you know, the, the indica dominance and sativa dominance. These are all different, and I'll go into that in a little bit, but these are all different substances that are more psychoactive that people can uh, consume, and they're the, more the cannabis uh, plant versus the hemp uh, plant. And uh, so when these farm workers were uh, consuming this, uh, this plant, the marijuana or cannabis, uh, they started uh, getting it to the jazz musicians. So, so the era uh, of jazz was taken off. And this is back in the early 19, uh, late 1920s, early 1930s. Uh, people were consuming, uh, you know, jazz musicians were consuming uh, the substance. And uh, uh, 
It was a very integrated time of in the United States because there were different jazz was the music like hip hop is today. Uh, jazz was the music of that day, and it started being underground. But it brought white people, black people, everybody together, and they would start doing these dances. And these dances were what was considered to be very erotic type of dances. And uh, the powers that be didn't want to have this integrated. You know, their their. A uh, young girl, white girl, with a with a black guy in a jazz club, grinding and all that stuff. So they said, "Let's see what we can do to create some legislation around this." And the first thing they they did in this, uh, a few players are involved. One of them is uh, William Randolph Hearst, who of the Hearst dynasty uh, that created a newspaper dynasty. The second person is Dupont. Uh, who's chemical uh, Dupont, and what they wanted to do first is to be able to create uh, uh, materials the, to replace hemp as a material. The other thing is to make uh, paper out of wood using chemicals instead of hemp. So they started putting a lot of money into lobbying. And uh, when they put a lot of money in, they got uh, this guy named uh, Henry Anslinger elected as basically the first cannabis uh, district attorney or whatever it was called back then. And he would be uh, a person to enforce cannabis legislation. And the first legislation was the 1937 Marijuana Stamp Tax Act. So what they did was they penalized and taxed people who grow uh, hemp and cannabis and uh, then would start putting some legislation against this being illegal. And uh, they would then start um, subsidizing people to change their crops from hemp to corn. That's why we have a huge corn industry and every, every single substance that we have has corn in it. So these are all the different reasons why it started being illegal in the first place. Then uh, William Randall Hearst, with Thomas Edison's backing because he had control of the movie theaters, promoted and created this movie called Reefer Madness. And Reefer oh, Madness, yeah. if anybody wants to see that, it's, it's, crazy. it's a public domain film. Uh, you can go on YouTube and watch the whole thing. And it showed how cannabis... Uh, makes people crazy. Uh, some guy commits a murder and he jumps out the window and, and they started playing because they had control of the movie theaters. They started playing this in be, before a movie. So every time you go in a movie, uh, they will play this, uh, this movie to show them that, you know, cannabis. So they got public opinion uh, on their side and that's what happened. So cannabis sort of went away until the late 60s when the Vietnam War happened. And the you know the the power of uh, the the power of love and this generation of uh, hippies came out and they started consuming this and uh, we had a president named Richard Nixon who was very against this culture and he's the <laughs> first uh, person that created this drug scheduling system which put marijuana cannabis as a Schedule 1. And the reason for that, and by the way, if anybody really wants to uh, check these facts, which I suggest everybody does fact-checking, Richard Nixon was such a narcissist that he recorded himself. His recordings, every single time he had a meeting in his office, he recorded himself. And there's Richard Nixon's recordings that you can hear him talking about blacks and Jews uh, and people who consume, uh, who are hippies, and the media who he hated that consume marijuana, and he did this on purpose, so to try to fill up the jails with uh, minorities, and uh, that's where we are sort of today. So it's a long-winded explanation, but that's sort of the history of why cannabis is legal in the first place. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, for me, I, I think that is very important that you bring up because this is, uh, there's so many things like this that are happening, but with, with something so helpful, something that could help to undo this recycling issue that we have, something that could help uh, reduce hunger, right? Something that could help reduce, uh, you know, clothing waste and all kinds of things. We could lean to something as beneficial as, as hemp, right? right? Mm -hmm. But it's been suppressed for such a long time that even still to this day, my, even my own parents did not understand and know. And it was just like, oh, no, 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 you, you, my son's not going to be a pothead, no. you know? Um, and, and there's been situations in which I saw with my own eyes people being kicked out of the house for consuming pot, yeah. right? For smoking pot or whatever. And then you fast forward and it's almost kind of like, I wonder what those parents feel like now you know, I, I imagine there's some a bit of embarrassment or shame or whatever, but then it could also go the exact opposite. It could be like, well, because if you want to find research, you can find research, yeah. right? You can find research to say that that cannabis is bad. Yeah. But like, how are those studies being done, first of all? Second of all, um, there's I would put cannabis over alcohol any day. For sure. Any day. When so, you go in a bar when somebody's... Uh, uh, you go in a bar, people are drunk and they're always aggressive and they're fighting and all this stuff. When did you ever get around a group of people who are smoking cannabis and they're getting aggressive and fighting? Everybody's like love and chill. Exactly. You know? so, uh, but you brought up an interesting fact. So I'll tell my parents. My parents consume formulations now that I created for their own conditions. So they were so against it, so brainwashed with, uh, I don't know, you're pretty young, but if uh, your audience can remember that, you know, Nancy Reagan had this uh, commercial with the, the egg in the frying pan, this oh, is your yeah. brain on drugs kind of thing. And people bought into that crap. They're like, oh, oh, you're going to fry your brain. I know some of those successful people that I know consume cannabis on a regular basis as their, one of their uh, therapies. So uh, it's all stereotypes about it makes you lazy, it makes you this. It's not true, but you know, there are certain things that are effective in certain times, like any other therapeutic product, any other medicine, any other uh, you know, supplement, that's what you're getting. And the, and the whole thing with the, this uh, uh, you know, um, recreational use of cannabis, I just find it so interesting. It's, I like the adult use. You should be over 21 to make your decisions, but it should be a regulated thing because it's something that's altering your mind. So recreational, you're not using substances or altering something recreationally. You're using it with intention. And as you were saying, Josh, everything you do is set, setting intention. You're setting an intention. What do you want to consume? We were having a conversation before this about, you know, do you want to consume? And yes, and you just set the intention. The consumption is so for focus. So now you're going to say, I set my intention and I'm going to pick something that's right for me for this specific intention. And that's how it should be working with every substance that you consume in your body. Yes. So that's the point. If you can't tell, whether you're listening or you're watching, I, I really resonate very well with Lynn and everything that he's talking about, which is why I wanted to bring you on the show. Um, and, and I want to continue going down the, the, the rabbit hole because we are eventually going to get to how DNA plays with 
you know, with, with what you're doing, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, but I want to address something that I hear quite a bit because people who know me, people who are around me quite a bit, have eventually started to understand that, oh, Josh is, they, they, they uh, struggle to call me a pothead because, I, what is a pothead, first of all? And, and, you know, who's to say a person looks like one or not? But if, if you consider the fact that I consume, and I use the word consume on purpose, mm-hmm. but if, if you think that because I consume, I'm a pothead, then okay, I'm a functioning pothead, right? But um, people who know how I utilize cannabis are those who know that, you know, that there is some benefit to it, but then they may come back with the statement of, well, I'm glad it works for you, but cannabis just doesn't work for me. Mm-hmm. This one is is a very interesting one because I get this quite a bit. And the first thing that comes to my mind is, well, cannabis is not just one thing. You can't just say, I mean, I guess you can, but I think it's very false to say that cannabis is not for you. Mm-hmm. It'd be just like saying water is not for you, <laughs> right? Because, well, what kind of water are we talking about? Are we talking about toilet water? <laughs> the toilet water is not for me either. Me <laughs> but like maybe even sink water is not for me. Right. Facts. Facts. <laughs> this is why I have, you know, this wonderful setup of stuff here in the back with structuring water and things like that. But like um, maybe we should be considering, first of all, why we even have an endocannabinoid system in our in the perfectly created human body in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that should get a person to, to go or think or ask themselves well, wait a minute, if there's a system, how do I plug into it to optimize who I am? That's what we're here to do. That's what we're here to talk about is that very thing, okay? So um, I want people to take the takeaway from this. I want it to be maybe, or how can cannabis be useful for me? That's what I want you to do as a takeaway, but please yeah, address I, that. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. When I think people are, are afraid or embarrassed to talk about an adverse experience they may have had with cannabis. Um, I know many people that, oh my God, I, I ate a brownie one time in high school and man, that, that I got super high and I was high for two days and I was hallucinating. I can't do cannabis. <laughs> well, I mean, okay, how much of it did you do? I mean, you can, you can do, t- take too much Tylenol, acetaminophen, uh, and have an adverse reaction. So, so how much did you dose? What type of metabolizer are you? How do you metabolize different things? Um, what type of cannabis was there in the first place in that brownie? And how much of it did you eat? And how much long did you wait? Or did you eat a brownie? You're like, it's not doing anything. I'm going to take another one and take another one and take another one. So all these different things. What medications things, are you on at the time? Exactly. That's perfect. So they all, this, you said it right on, man. We have this amazing, amazing system. It was created for a reason. We have this stuff inside of us. We have these receptors. So it's for everyone, but specifically how much and what type is for you may be different than it is for, uh, for somebody else or, or for me. So these are the, where we have these personalized experiences with all kinds of therapeutic substances, and cannabis happens to be one of them. And by the way, if you choose not to consume, it's a really interesting thing because it's not like other drugs where you get uh, dependent on it, possibly. Uh, if you choose not to consume, you can 
stop consuming uh, without much of a, you know, a residual effect from that. So this is a, there is an interesting way to be able to look at what your body needs, how much of it. And the, and the most fascinating thing is cannabis will tell you when you've had too much. Your receptors are so bound, you don't need any more. And you'll know because you're saying, I'm not feeling that well with it. <laughs> well, you know what? Pause. And it's okay. Let your receptors unbind and then take a break and consume when you need to. So listen to your body like anything else. Just listen to your body and your body will tell you when you don't need anymore. And if you really think back to what Lynn is saying and, and you start to understand what he's actually saying, it's, it would be like, um, if, I mean, let's treat coffee, for example, something that could be treated as an antioxidant, could be treated as a superfood, mm -hmm. right? Um, loads of people consume it. Mm -hmm. And it has an altering effect on the, on the body's chemistry, right? Correct. So some people, like, like myself, I'll, I'll admit, I was never really a coffee fan until I became a coffee fan. Yeah. And I consume coffee mostly to get some of the, the powerful antioxidants that come with it and also some of the oils. But also it's a carrier for some of the other fats that I want to get throughout my lifestyle, mm -hmm. right? I do it all in the morning. Okay, so this is, I just finished it now. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Your, your MCT oil. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I, and, you know, it's, it's a, a version of uh, Bulletproof, right. if you will. Um, so, but I do it mostly as a carrier, but I do know that there's also a, a few other effects. Now, if I was ever to have um, a cup of coffee or you know a thermos of coffee that caused me to vomit like erratically and crazily, I would probably go, huh. I wouldn't think, you know what, I'm never having coffee again because that was the worst experience ever. The first thing I would think would be, what was up with that coffee, man? Like, like let me see that bag, right? right. Like, wait, where did you get this coffee from? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't think that coffee as a as a whole, right? Right, because there's coffee from Africa, there's coffee right. from South America, there's coffee from many from Spain. There's many places to get coffee, right? So I can't just say coffee as a whole did not work for me because it made me feel sick that time, yeah. or I'm not going to have coffee because it makes me too jittery. Well, what kind of coffee? Yeah. Dark roast, medium roast, light roast, you know? So <laughs> yeah, no, you're, yeah. you're you're right on. And look, <clears throat> big pharma has a lot of money and a lot of lobbying power. And they did a tremendous job on kind of painting everything with a broad brush. It's marijuana, it's cannabis. Because the goal, what they were trying to do at the time, and this happened right before the AIDS epidemic, uh, they were trying to create synthetic THC. And they mm -hmm. were able to do that with, a, uh, with something called Marinol originally. Yeah. That was the brand name. Yeah. So when you think about it, what it was doing, it was heavily sedating their patients because they isolated one single molecule. And that's all pharma knows. Pharma knows how to isolate. So yeah. when you see somebody who's heavily sedated on an extreme heavy dose of Marinol, now they said, this is the synthetic marijuana. So marijuana is going to do the same thing to you, but you said it right on, John. It's, it's not because you got not one molecule, just THC, somewhere around 500 different molecules. So it's not just coffee. It's not just cannabis. It's specific what that is. I think where, this is totally my opinion, but I think where legislation started shifting 
is when this company called GW Pharmaceuticals, when they got the first FDA-approved drug uh, for a condition called Dravet syndrome, a form of epilepsy, when I got it past the FDA and I actually have a drug that was derived from cannabis, from CBD. So when they, when they did that, it showed the industry how they can make money because they can go and create these substances right from the plant and they don't have to synthesize and make synthetics from them. And I think that's sort of the direction where the industry is going. You're going to have substances that are... Um, that are like nutraceutical substances where you buy at your vitamin uh, shop or whatever it is that'll have your specific cannabinoids that are indication specific. So this is for to help you with sleep and this is to help me with uh, focus, etc. And then you'll have more of isolated specific medical grade that went through FDA clinical trials and only have minimal components in there because they don't know how to make those 500 components into a medicine. But that, that's, that's exactly what uh, I think is going to happen in the future. Yeah, if, if, if you can't tell everyone, <laughs> we're both very passionate about it. And, um, and, and so I, I will maybe, let's move into another direction so that we can finally get to why we're 100%. I mean, we're here because of everything we're talking about yeah, yeah. as well. But um, I, I want to give you the opportunity and I want to have the listeners have the opportunity to in real time, live, mm-hmm. I mean, we're, we're not live, but you know what I mean. Uh, in real time, we're going to go through my results. I haven't, I've gone through my results. Um, so I'll tell you what I did and then maybe you yeah. can explain to the, the listeners exactly how you would explain it to them. But, sure. um, you know, so I was doing some research and, and trying to get to know um, someone I can now consider a friend, uh, Eben Britton. Mm-hmm. I was um, in preparation for, for meeting up with him and chatting with him. I did some research about him just to kind of see what he's, what he's up to. And um, I knew he was a, he's a cannabis activist and advocate. So I was like, okay, let me just do some research. And in one of the podcasts, he was on, he mentioned something very quickly, but it, it, it caught my attention because it was talking about cannabis, but it, it talked about the specifics of matching your, your cannabis consumption with your DNA and how those two interplay. And I was like, ah, this could be something that could take what I've been experiencing and talking about and putting research to it and putting it out on the platforms, right? Because um, I know that it's doing something beneficial to me, and I know there's people that that have a similar experience. At the same time, I know, I know there's people who don't have the same experience and feel like they have adverse reactions. And so this could be something to get people to go, huh, let me look more into this, okay? So what I did was I, I, I listened, I went on, online, and I realized, oh, um, EndoDNA can take your raw data from some of these um, DNA companies like uh, 23andMe and um, well, what are some of the Ancestry. other Ancestry.com and things yeah. like that. So I did that a few years back already, um, and I had my family do it as well. Just you know, find out some in- interesting things about our DNA, and so I had that raw data. I still have it, and so I went online to to Endo. Indo was it Indo Canna Health or Indo DNA? Indo DNA. Either yeah, either way, either one works, I guess. Um, so I went on Indo DNA and I input my raw data. I, I bought the kit online, input the raw data, and within you know less than a minute, I they they were able to kind of figure out the best strategies for my cannabis consumption based on my specific 
DNA. And that's what is really cool. That's what we're going to go over. Um, it talks everything about, um, you know, if you like, how does it affect you mental, ment- mentally, like your yeah. cognitive abilities, um, how it may affect you from a muscular performance, all, all sorts of stuff. So I'll let you take it away. Yeah, I, I think that people get confused with DNA and people think, oh, you know, you're going to get, you're going to clone me, you're going to take my DNA, you know, all that <laughs> stuff. So uh, maybe if you were that important, it could get your DNA very easily. Take your Starbucks cup, wipe it, and they have your DNA. So the, the goal is you have this genetic material, and DNA is our genetic material that's programmed with information that's, that uses something called messenger RNA to go between cells and give those messages to those cells to start producing uh, proteins and aminos, which are the building blocks. So it builds all the different things within our bodies. They carry that genetic material. And it's interesting because some DNA we're born with and we're predisposed to, like, you know, our our hair color, our skin color, our our eye color, uh, you know, our height that we're going to be. So there's not nothing you can do about some of those things. However... Most of the other DNA that we have, you can actually think about as an on-off switch. So based on your lifestyle, your, uh, what you feed your body, uh, what you feed your mind, you can actually control the expression of your DNA, So which is called epigenetics. epigenetics. Yep, you got it. <laughs> so that's exactly what it is. So you look at DNA as a start. You look at your genetic predispositions, and that's what endoDNA does. It looks at genetic predispositions as is associated with symptomatic conditions that people consume cannabis for. And we give you a guide looking at those to see if you have any what's called a variant, which is a difference between what you have and the general population. And then we look at something that's called alleles. So alleles are uh, every single... Every single DNA uh, molecule communicates basically in four letters. They're called nucleotides, a C, a T, an A, and a G. So the analogy I like to uh, use is computers speak in a binary code, uh, ones and zeros. All we do is look at the user interface, but behind all that was ones and zeros. So DNA is those four letters, the C, a T, an A, and a G. The combination of those two letters are your genotype, and that's what makes you unique. And that's what we look at is to show you these are the pitfalls. These are the things you should be aware of based on your genetics. So either you have a gene that's dormant that hasn't been turned on and you don't want to turn it on. So this is what you can consume to keep it that way. Mm. Or there is a gene that's expressing itself that's on. And what you want to do is make sure that you take down that expression or turn it down so you're not feeling that. And that's the guide. At the end of that, we also show you your formulation that's ideal for that symptomatic condition so you have a more a better experience. And then also drug-to-drug interaction, uh, different substances. So I'll give you know, the audience a couple of examples. Um, SSRIs. So these are antidepressant, anti-anxiety medications. A lot of people call up and say, hey, I want to get off my antidepressant. And I've been consuming CBD. Well, CBD for certain people and just in, in general can actually affect, inhibit the efficacy of your prescription medication. What I mean by that is it can reduce the effect of your antidepressant medication. Doesn't mean you can't take 
your CBD and your antidepressant. But if you don't know this about yourself, you can stagger. Don't take them at the same time. Well, how do you know how often you should take it or how long you should wait? Well, it depends on what type of metabolizer you are. We all metabolize things differently. And you know, our test also shows you what type of metabolizer you are. So if you're an ultra-rapid metabolizer, maybe wait 20 minutes. If you're a poor metabolizer, maybe wait two hours before you consume your CBD. And this is, I mean, for, for, depression, uh, for depression and anxiety, yes, I mean, it's a very serious thing. But think about it as a, as a, as a blood thinner. Okay, so warfarin, Coumadin, these are all other medications that people take for, as a blood thinner. And CBD or other cannabinoids can inhibit the efficacy of those medications too. So if somebody needs their Coumadin or needs their warfarin to avoid a blood clot, but then it inhibits that efficacy, that could be a pretty serious uh, thing that can happen. So that's what we want to avoid. And the worst thing is you turn on Fox News, and this isn't a political statement, I'm just using Fox News as an example. You turn on Fox News and says, you know, uh, uh, John something uh, has a, a stroke from cannabis. And it has nothing to do with it, but that's the headline that, you know, certain people would love to see on the news. And that's the thing that we want to avoid. 100%. 100%. Well said, and, and thanks for, for clearing that up because um, although it may be over several people's heads, the, the science talk and the, the chemistry and biology talk, um, I do think it's important for people to know at least that, that there are people like Lynn who do know what they're doing, hence why he has this kit and why we're going to be able to go through all of my DNA, um, or at least the, the parts that pertain yeah. to this, um, and we're going to just discuss how you know it would be, how it possibly would be expressed within my yeah. my body, yeah. right? Because again, back if you didn't really gather what he said, you know the epigenetic factor factors play a huge role in all of our life, yeah. not just use of cannabis or or food or drugs or anything. It's we're affected all the time. So light pollution and noise pollution and, you know, like byproduct carcinogens in the, in the environment, all these things play a factor when it comes to how we live our life. So what we're going to discuss here now is specifically, and we're going to also try to get Mariah to include the, the parts that we're talking about here on, on our screen. So what I've done is I've pulled up my, um, what do you call this? The My DNA Live. Yeah. And we're going to go over my report in real time. Mm-hmm. And we'll go over the ones that make sense because on here I see, you know, there's anxiety reports, cognitive function, digestive reports, uh, drug dependence, drug metabolism, um, uh, sleep reports. That's a good one. Pain, nausea, and neurologic reports. Mm-hmm. Um, vitamins report. So we're going to go over, I, I would assume, because what I'm looking at here is just at quick glance, there's there's some that are green. There's a green color, a green bar mm-hmm. beside it. Uh, there's an orange or a yellowish bar beside a few of the others. And then there's a lot of them that are green. And then off to the right of each of those, it'll tell me if there's a variant detectant mm-hmm. or detected or no variant detected. And then, of course, you can click within it and then yeah. we can go from there. So I'll let you take it because this is what you do, bro. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I, and I just want to say that you you did the raw data upload, but you know, and I, I don't know if I should show this or not, but I just yeah. want to show people how easy it is. So 
if you've taken a 23andMe or Ancestry or any other uh, testing that you can just upload, just like Josh did, and, and it takes around 30 seconds to get your results. However, it's not as comprehensive as doing your full genetic profile. We look at somewhere around 700,000 genetic markers to give you a report. Uh, and the way that it works is... So it's, what you're saying is I need, I need to do this one. Well, I, it's more comprehensive. <laughs> I'm not what, promoting what, or that's, selling. That's I'm, just what saying, saying. <laughs> I'm just saying you can, my, our concept is you can repurpose what you did. You already spent money with somebody else, so spend less money and, and you know, leverage what you already did. But if you didn't do that, uh, this is the best way to be able to get the information. I just want to show how easy it is. And I also want to address a concern that I've heard many times about this whole DNA and privacy and all that stuff. So the kit basically looks like this. I want to point out, I don't know if anybody can see this, but there is a license key on every kit. So this license key is unique to you and the kit. The way that it works is, take this out, inside there is a swab. So the swab looks like this, and what you do is you swab the inside of your mouth, like a big Q-tip, you put it back in this bio bag and box, and it comes with a self-addressed stamped envelope, and you close it and you ship it to our lab. Before you ship it, and it's really, really important, is you register your kit on My DNA Live. And the reason why you register it, I talked about this license key, because all the data is anonymized. It is anonymous and you're the only one that has the decryption code. So when you, when you register yourself, when you send it to the lab, they refer to license key and the registration because all the data resides in the cloud. We are HIPAA compliant. Everybody can look up what HIPAA is, but we make sure the data is fully protected and we use uh, a system called AWS, which is Amazon's system. So your personal information resides in one part, your DNA resides in the other part, you have the key. So when you log into your secure anonymized report, now it combines your personal information through that key with your DNA, and now you can see all the results. Uh, we are gathering data. So I want to be completely transparent with the audience, but we're not ga gathering Josh's data or my data. What I mean is we're gathering, we have a thousand people with the same symptomatic conditions that consumed this formulation and, it, and this formulation worked for those genotypes, not my personal information. Our artificial intelligence learns from that so we can make better suggestions for other people that have a similar genetic profile. And that's in that information, we're gonna communicate to manufacturers, to cultivators, so people who are creating products, so those products can be more genetically aligned. And that's what we're doing now, is we're providing a stamp on products that are genetically aligned, so we know that those products have gone through you know, our analysis. So I just want to put, point that out. Very important. That's very important. And, and I think it's worth reiterating. What Lynn is saying is that, you know, Josh Holland or Lynn May, like our information, our name and things like that won't be associated with it in the system. It's just person 2,492 or whatever, right? Um, now, I do have a question. So you know how I was able to take the raw data from... 23andMe and then put it here, is it the same in reverse? Like, if I were someone um, who, who hadn't done 23andMe or one of the other DNA testing kits, 
and decided to do my DNA live, um, could do you also? Does it also give out raw data so that I could then input it into another system? Yeah, you can have your raw data. The, the issue is that cannabis is still federally illegal. So 23andMe will not take your data and give you an endocannabinoid report. It's not about cannabis, it's about your endocannabinoid system. Exactly. So when you take that and raw and put that data up, they don't want anything to do with it because it has to do, so they, they don't report. We're, we're the company that has the engine that reports in your endocannabinoid system and we're the input and translation. And what they do, you can have your raw data, but they're not gonna be able to translate and right, give right. you the report based on your endocannabinoid system. So fascinating. I got to tell you, man, I'm so happy that you're my translator because I can get geeky and science and you're like, let me just explain to you what Len really said. And it's really important <laughs> to, to do that because uh, I'm glad you're, you're getting the, the logo right. Yeah, man. Um, this is so fun. So, okay, let's, let's dive in. So let's yeah. say, and, and by the way, yeah. obviously I want to do your kit, bro. Yeah, I want to do your kit. You got it, man. Yeah, I want to. I'm gonna. I want to do it. I, I know Mariah wants to do it. You do it. Your audience will do it. And there's a code. I think. Well, you can share this with the audience. I think it's Josh twenty. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. Josh twenty. You can, you can give that to your uh, uh, to your audience, and they they can all get a you know your discount for sure. Yeah, we'll add. We'll have Grace add that into the show notes, and we'll put it all up so everybody knows. Yeah. But we're gonna have some fun with this, and I want everyone else to be able to do what I'm doing right now, which is actually speaking with Lynn. Right, the the creator, the brainchild of all this, to go over it, and we're gonna, you know, he he's, I don't know how much he really means it and what he's getting <laughs> himself into, but he's he's offered to help a few of you out personally. Yeah, so no, I'll be happy to do so. Um, are you are you sure you want to share everything with? <laughs> Let's do it. Why not? Right. Let's do it. All right. So there's a, and Josh was explaining. We have this summary, and the summary has three different colors. Green means there's no variant detected. So there's no genetic risk based on our test. Yellow means there's a variant detected. There's a slight risk. And then red means there's multiple variants detected. So it's a greater uh, risk. So is there anything in your report that really stood out to you? Or is there anything that you want me to just kind of click on uh, first? Well, the one that I thought that was most amazing is the one that says I am a superhero right here. <laughs> no. That's the one, man. That's the one. Yeah. No, you are I mean, a superhero. You already know that. The obviously I think uh, I think it's obvious is um, anything that was read obviously jumps out to me. Yeah. So so I I'll, I'll kind of explain uh, what's going on and for me this is putting pieces of the puzzle together. So we don't know each other that well. I don't know what your background, what your history is. So I'm going to just tell you, kind of read the tea leaves, and you can tell me how accurate or not accurate it is. So the first uh, one that I want to talk about is stress and anxiety. I'm a big believer that a lot of things happen in our bodies due to our response to stress. Before you continue, sorry, I I did consume, right? So I I now have these amazing thoughts, and I'm thinking to myself— this feels like a palm reading session. You know? It does. Like, <laughs> That's what I said. Reading, read reading the tea palm. leaves, man. <laughs> I'm, reading, I'm reading the tea leaves. It's exactly it. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Uh, no, you're absolutely right. So uh, the first one is uh, about stress reactivity. And the reason why I like to use this as a staple is because I feel a lot of things happen with this specific gene. So uh, this gene is called FAH, F-A-A-H, and it's fatty acid aminohydrolase. And what this does, and I think I mentioned this, but your audience may have forgotten, we have this, uh, we have this 
an endogenous endocannabinoid called anandamide. Remember the bliss hormone, the one that THC mimics in our bodies. So it gives us that euphoria. So what happens in a stressful event, when you're stressed, somebody cuts you off in traffic, we have all these chemicals that are uh, set off, you know, dopamine, norepinephrine, we have, uh, uh, we have uh, cortisol that's released. When our body realizes, or our brain realizes, there's no lion chasing us in the jungle, our body starts releasing other chemicals to get us back to normal. One of those is anandamide, which is that bliss hormone. Pha produces an enzyme that uh, breaks down anandamide. So think about pha as Pac-Man eating anandamide. The more pha you have, the less anandamide, which happens to be your stress reactivity. And if you are not addressing stress as uh, the general population because you have more pha, then your body becomes more acidic, you have more cortisol, and your body, your immune system responds with an overactive re- immune response, which creates inflammation. Mm. And that inflammation creates pain and discomfort. And if you're not addressing it, then you walk around, you know, your ankles, your knees, and everything hurts. So this is a very, very important gene because it's a staple of your endocannabinoid system on pha. And you have a genotype, it says, that uh, you may experience more anxiety when stressed, which means that your body will produce more cortisol, which means that certain cannabinoids can actually, because it mimics THC, can trigger that anxiety. So if you're consuming what's called a sativa-dominant hybrid, uh, you may actually trigger the stressful response with high THC, and people have this, oh my God, I can't consume cannabis because it makes me paranoid, it makes me stressed. Well, (laughs) it's the type of cannabinoids that you will consume and the amount of THC They'll do that. And, and just as a side, cannabis THC is a vasodilator. For those of you who don't know what that is, exactly. It's that. <laughs> expands your expands your blood vessels. And what happens when it does that, your heart starts working faster. So somebody smokes a, a joint or consumes cannabis in some way, like, oh my God, my heart is beating fast. Well, it's supposed to beat fast because it's a vasodilator. But if you have a predisposition to this anxiety and psychosis, your brain goes in a loop like a PTSD loop, and you're, you're really freaking yourself out. It's normal. Your heart is going to beat faster. So that's the one thing that I see in here, that you're prone to uh, stress that's associated with, uh, uh, with uh, you know, consuming certain cannabis. So I want to also point out what it tells you. It doesn't just tell you. It tells you how to mitigate that. And how you mitigate that is a much more balanced ratio of CBD to THC. And the other thing that is the terpene profiles. And once again, terpenes are the essential oil that the plant produces. Every single plant produces an essential oil. In cannabis, these essential oils that give it its smell also have an effect. So when you combine them with the cannabinoids and you have those terpenes, they produce an effect. So for you, Josh, on this, if you are feeling anxiety or you're Uh, you're experiencing this or you want to avoid experiencing this, your friends, your terpene friends are linalool, which is also found in lavender. And, uh, oops. Did you say linalool? Oops. Linalool. Linalool. (laughs) Linalool. Spelled L-I-N-A-L-O-O-L. Linalool. Linalool. Yes. So linalool has been shown in studies uh, to help with the anxiety 
that's provoked by THC. So think about linalool and you can smell it. People use your nose. If you're if it smells like lavender, that's your friend. And the other one's beta caryophyllin, which is found in black pepper and clove, and that one actually helps to reduce the inflammation that's uh, provoked by you know using too much uh, THC. So that would be uh, the first kind of experience that you may want to have with uh, with cannabis uh, to avoid this anxiety and stress. Um, some of the other things that I want to point out is that. Uh, drug dependence, I find really fascinating. So physicians, healthcare professionals have used our test uh, to show their patients that they may have a predisposition to drug dependence. And this one specifically says opioid dependence. So you have variants uh, in opioid dependence. So I don't know if you've ever consumed opioids or not, but you have a genetic predisposition that makes you more than the average population susceptible to opioid dependence. This one is interesting because I take heroin. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's not nothing to joke about. But and no, I don't. But take medicinally, heroin. you take it medicinally. <laughs> um, no, but I. So I have been uh, researching mm-hmm. and um, studying kratom. Yeah. And so when I saw this, when I saw the opioid dependence. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Kratom can be used to get people off of opioids, mm-hmm. but it's also a part of and within the opioid family, I was keyed in on this yeah. because I've been taking it. In fact, I have some there on my, on my um, bedside table. And what I found to be interesting is I haven't, I've considered myself my whole life um, someone who's who is not prone to uh, becoming addicted. I'm not addicting addictive prone. Is that the right word? Um, I don't have an addictive personality right. with anything really that I can think of. Maybe other than food and a few other things. But yeah. um, <laughs> what, what are those? Things? <laughs> <laughs> Cannabis. <laughs> um, no, but like, so I, I thought it was interesting because I was like, oh wow. So I have the the genetic variant. Yeah. That says I would most likely be affected by it, but maybe it's not turned on and fully exactly. expressed. Yeah. Because I really feel like I do not have, you know, um, addictive personality. And I've tried quite a bit of kratom, and I can go off of it. And I mean, the only thing I experience when I get off of it is similar withdrawals to coffee withdrawals. Mm, right. And and so obviously. I've learned that throughout my research, Kratom is very similar to, uh, it's a part of the coffee family. Right. So it makes sense that I would have a similar withdrawal from it. And especially, it depends on how much you take, right? Because this is the other thing. Right? Just like cannabis, Kratom has many different types of strains mm-hmm. and from different regions and different combinations and whatever. So um, whatever. Well, I, I'm not, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not that familiar with, but I, I thought it works more like a, a psychostimulant as well, Kratom, right? So yeah. if But you do not have a dependence uh, uh, gene for psychostimulant, so you can take that, no problem. It's the opioids, man. And you never know because, you know, I've heard stories where, you know, four people take oxys and then one of the four people will instantaneously be addicted to that oxy. The other three are fine. So that gene that's dormant, you have a genetic predisposition, it got turned on through that. Smell that. 
This is why we're doing. Oh, yeah. This is why we're doing um, the video portion, right? So, for all you lucky listeners out there who are able to see this, I just gave Lynn something. I put it on my wrist, and then I had him smell it, and then he oh. now is wondering. He is wondering what is it. So, look on the label and tell me what what it says, please. It says dusted drugs. <laughs> <laughs> So, it, I mean, that's what it is. 10, 10 ml. So 10 milliliter of drugs is, yeah. what, it's, is yes. what it says on there. Now, what I know, the reason why I got this, um, I got this at MedMen actually. Uh-huh. And um, it's basically uh, an oil with loads of terpenes. Yep. What terpenes are in there? I don't know. And that's part of the reason. I mean. I can tell you. You could I'm, tell what me. What I'm yeah. smelling. Let's smell it. Or tell me. Yeah. So I smell, I smell beta-caryophyllin, and you can smell it because it smells like a clove. I smell a little bit of pinene, very faint citrus, which is limonene, but mm. I smell just a little bit of a hint of lavender. But I would say that it's supposed to be calming. I'm not sure what it's supposed to do, but I'm, I think based on what I'm smelling, it's supposed to be a calming uh, terpene profile. You know why I got this? Why? Because it looks cool. It, <laughs> it, it look looks cool. really cool. And it was on clearance. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> so. That's the way to do it. But the, you know what's funny? Like, we're having a conversation. What is this? Like, what, what other substance would you say, there's no label, it doesn't tell you what's on it. Exactly. Which, which is like, okay, we can do all the signs that we want on our end. But everybody who's manufacturing products has to also be on board. You have to do your testing. Test for cannabinoids, test for terpenes, put them on the labels. It depends what state, but certain states require that stuff. So just because we're telling you what you should be predisposed to, you want to make sure that the products that you consume actually line up with that. We do that, you know, in our reports, but we urge that the companies that are actually participating in this industry, let's raise our level. You want to be able to go to a dispensary just like you would to a GNC, pick up any product, know that it's been tested. You never have to worry about your supplements if you're buying it at a legitimate store. That's what we want this industry to be. That's the way you kind of rise up. That's a perfect segue. And, and I promise we'll get back to, to my reports. Yeah, sure. and, and for anyone listening, we will, we will get back to the reports. But this just brings up another conversation we were having before we started recording, which is um, in my hand here, I have my – so I, I, I mentioned earlier that I have a, a medical cannabis card mm-hmm. um, in the state of New York. And since I still live in New York, but I'm also here in L.A., um, you know, when I'm in New York, I get my medical cannabis. And and I'm thinking like this is the best stuff in the world. And it is it is great. It's amazing. And and I'm fortunate enough to be able to have because I have scoliosis, which we'll be doing some talking about that. And so there is some pain associated with that. Also, I use cannabis for sleep and focus and things like that. But really it shouldn't matter because you know, at the end of the day, it makes me feel good. So um, but when I when I had Lynn look at the label, he asked me, and I knew he was going to get there. He's like, so what's in it? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, it's a hybrid and it's a one-to-one ratio. So it's a little bit of sativa and uh, indica. You know, I'm like, it's medical, bro. And he's like, yeah, but what's in it? I'm like, I don't know. Open up the flap. And he's like, yep, doesn't tell me. And this is, I had to get a prescription for this, right? And, you know, and it's high quality, it's good stuff, and they measure it, but like, what's in it? Yeah. And part, and, and then we started going down the rabbit hole with the other products. You know, I have this pure CBD, same thing. He's like, 
cool, man. But uh, what's in it? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. This definitely, if we go online, we can find exactly what it is. It's one of my favorite ones, you know, and we look online. Nope. It tells me what kind of essential oils are in it, right. but you don't know what terpenes are in it. You don't know what, you know, uh, cannabinoids or, you know, flavonoids yeah, or yeah, any of that. You, you know what I think? I, I think that because when they don't tell you exactly what the terpene profile is, they're probably not using terpenes. They're probably just using isolated molecules, combining them together, and then adding in oils, most likely. But you're absolutely right. I mean, this, this is a medical-grade product. And I'm not talking about the brand or anything that, but if I'm looking at a medical grade product, it's showing me that it's two milligrams of THC, two milligrams of CBD. So it's a one-to-one, which is aligns with your profile. But what are the terpenes in this? We don't know. So is it two isolate, uh, isolated molecules? And that's the case, it should say on here, two isolated molecules, but we don't know what it is. And that's why I'm urging the industry to get on point and let's start testing for terpenes, flavonoids, minor cannabinoids, and these these uh, terminologies of full spectrum and broad spectrum and all that stuff. Look at that one. Yeah. Now, that one's pretty cool. I mean, at least they admit that there's a blend, right? Yeah. And and they admit that there's there's um, some some terpenes in there. Uh, they say there's terpenes in there, which is great. Uh, it says proprietary terpene blend which is not great because we want to know what that is. Spearmint essential oil, most important ingredient in here. Do you read what it is? And love. Uh, <laughs> but no, but you know, so this, uh, a group of my friends yeah. um, make this product and, um, and I know that they, they, they know their stuff. So even when they're listening to this, my hope is that they start to include some of what's in that proprietary blend. I mean, obviously... Um, you know, it's difficult, right? Because KFC is not going to, you know, um, reveal their full recipe, right? But they could at least say that there's, in this sp- specific product, there's this, this, and this, but you don't know what the ratios are. That's exactly that it. Could, but that's you have fine. to. Yeah. But you have to. In order to get, you know, the labels right, you have to tell people what they agree. Because what if somebody's allergic to an ingredient, right? Right. So revealing the ingredients is really important. But Josh, you said, you said it correct. It's how much of each one, that's your secret sauce. You don't have to reveal that, but you should reveal what it is that uh, you know, people are putting in their bodies, for sure. And he's here to help. And, and, and Lynn is providing a service that is going to, I think, once we have more conversations like this, we have more shows out there like this, there should be a bunch of dispensaries and, and companies. I have some dear friends in, in Oklahoma yeah. who, who have a, um, a dispensary and a grow operation, and they cut out the middleman. They're doing everything in-house. And my goal is is I want to encourage them to utilize this so that they can be on this list as well. For sure. You know, Because I think it's cool. We can now start to drive traffic, even if... The traffic isn't directly driven from this website like like how it is right now. Um, I've already ordered some stuff, right? So, of course, because that's what I do. That's how I do things. But, um, you know, I would love to be able to have a person go from their DNA results, say, okay, I want the the consumer to be more educated when they go into a dispensary. And I think what a way, because I remember the very first time I ever went to a dispensary, I was like, I was a little overwhelmed. It's intimidating. Right, sure. it's very intimidating because yeah. it's like you you got somebody. There's let's say there's a line. You got somebody waiting on you. It's almost like, what do you want? Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm like, I don't know what I want. Uh, well, here's our menu, but I don't. What and then you have a guy that's uh, or girl that's f- f- you know a bud tender that 
has to make a recommendation to you based on what they really like. So I've heard this so many times, like, oh, you know, I, I like this chocolate over here. You should take that. But you don't know if this person's a poor metabolizer and shouldn't consume uh, edibles, really. So, yeah, you trust yourself. You trust your medicine to somebody that's given you an opinion that's not really factually uh, supported. So how about this? How about being able to go, oh, this is your first time here? Listen, why don't you step over here to the side? If you have your raw data, right? Yeah. Or if you got a kit here yeah. and you really want to know what exactly works best for you because we're all different and we treat this like a, uh, a plant medicine yeah. and this is like a clinical facility, then like, let's do it the right way. We'll send you off with you know a few things that you yeah. could try. But then once you get your results back, you can go, aha, this yeah. is what I want. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's the future. You said it. That's it. All right, so we're, we have a new <laughs> business venture. Anybody wants to know, contact Josh, and we're going to get it in all the dispensaries around the world. Let's do sure. it. Let's do it. Okay, back right, to the so, results. So uh, there's a couple of things on here. You're a rapid metabolizer, so you don't have any issues with uh, your CBD metabolism or THC metabolism. Uh, where, where did you see that one at? Uh, CBD dosing and THC dosing, they're both green. So if 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 there was if I was a slow metabolizer, yeah. it would have been red uh, or yellow. So you would go into the variant detected, and it would show you uh, basically summary of findings. You're a normal metabolizer or a rapid metabolizer. There's a gene called CYP2C9. So there's a series of genes. Again, I'm going to get geeky and science, and Josh can translate in a, in a, for Bob from Iowa who's listening to this. <laughs> so, Bob. Uh, yeah. So, uh, there's a series of genes called cytochrome P450. Those cytochrome markers are your metabolic markers. They release enzymes to metabolize anything that you uh, consume in your body. Uh, CYP2C9 releases an enzyme that metabolizes THC. I want everybody to... If you're going to take away something because edibles are really, really different animal, just take away this one tidbit about edibles. When you important, <laughs> it's really important because I know most people that have a bad experience, an adverse experience with cannabis, actually have that with uh, edibles. So when you consume an edible, you're li- you're going through your uh, your first pass down to your liver. Your liver converts THC to a substance called 11-oxyhydroxide delta-9-tetrahydrocannabinol. 11-OH will make it easy. (laughs) Damn. (laughs) So that substance is three to 50 times more powerful than THC. It's slower binding. So when you smoke, you get high right away. When you eat an edible, it can take 20 minutes. It can take an hour or two. And when it hits certain people that are poor metabolizers, it can be a slow onset that's extremely powerful. And people don't know how to deal with that powerful onset. And if they're prone to psychosis, which is another gene that we look at, that can trigger a psychotic episode. I had a reporter recently who interviewed me and having heard from her for three, four months. after I forgot about, nothing was published, it was gone. And she had this perfect storm. She was a poor metabolizer, CYP2C9. She had a gene for stress uh, reactivity, and she had one, uh, it's called AKT1 for psychosis. I get a call (laughs) three months down the line. She goes, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I was late on uh, writing the story. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about the story altogether. She goes, I had a, a, you forewarned me of this. I had a psychotic episode. So she consumed cannabis, and she needs it because she's, actually has a condition that she needs cannabis as her medicine. 
and she was so stressed out that she couldn't consume cannabis anymore because she had this psychotic episode, and she actually got hospitalized for it, Ooh. and it, it, it was it was bad. And she was really concerned. And we went back through her results, and I made a suggestion based on her results, something else. And then she called me up. She published a story, and she called me up. Like, she goes, can I give a testimonial? Thank you, thank you so much, because now I found my cannabis again. And I don't have to worry about my psychotic episode. And it was as simple as uh, raising up your CBD level, lowering your THC, and changing your terpene profile, and not consuming it through your liver doing it sublingually under your tongue. And that's what, what kind of created that. And, and that's what's beautiful, right? Because like something that I learned um, a few years ago mm-hmm. was, you know, and, and I think you touched on this a little bit, but like at some point we've all had that story of having a, an adverse side effect, oh, yeah. adverse experience, whether it be cannabis or alcohol or, uh, I mean, even just walking down a, a dark alley, right? Yeah. Like, there's there's many situations when, in which we've we've had trauma and adverse effects, right? And so when it comes to um, there was there was a time when I had taken too much of an edible um, because obviously in certain edibles the dosing may get mixed up. You know, you take a small bite here and you think that's your dose. Next time you take that small bite, it's like, oh my goodness, I'm on the couch, right? <laughs> um, so there was a time in which I had a little bit too much of an edible, and I was, it was, it was freaky. So I thought, oh, I must not be good with pure sativas. I have to do hybrids, right? This is what I thought. And then now, like I consume sativas mostly, mm-hmm. especially th- throughout the day, and I've learned that my like my indica usage would be better suited for nighttime for relaxing it. But I had to learn that. But what I also learned was because everyone has these stories. I also learned that anytime you get a little bit too much, because we've, we've all been there, um, taking a little bit of CBD or a lot of C- enough CBD can help balance it out. Yeah. Right. And that is what I found to be very important, which is why I always carry some form of CBD with me because if nothing else, the placebo effect of me now knowing that sure. is enough to get me to calm down. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm so glad you said the placebo effect. I was at the digital health uh, conference and there was a group of doctors talking to you and they were saying that they have 30 to 35% placebo effect in clinical trials. So, you know, 30 to 35% of the people believe that they're getting something and like, shit, it's working for me, so might as well go with it. There, there is studies... Um, there's several studies that show that CBD is an adverse agonist of THC, so it helps that that binding the THC to start unbinding. So it does make logical sense. But how much of this are you really getting? And if exactly. you believe it, it works. But it should work. I mean, that's a really good way of doing it. Uh, eating something, drinking plenty of water, and understanding that nobody has ever died of cannabis. It never been a case. Yes, it can trigger other things. Yes, you can have, you can hallucinate, you can have this adverse experience. But as long as you tell your mind that it's okay, it's going to pass, it's nothing bad is going to happen, I think you'll start working on calming yourself down. So you, you have that control for the most part, unless you're like super high and a thousand milligram brownie, man. That'll, that'll take you <laughs> off. Before, before uh, uh, regulations were in place, legalization, there was companies that were making these thousand milligram chocolates imagine you can take as much oh, as you man. want and people i had people call me like uh 
I gave it to my mom. Like, oh, fuck. <laughs> no, you're good, you're good, you're good. Yeah, gave it to my mom. I'm like, we're going to the hospital. Like, what, what are they going to do for in the hospital? They're going to calm her down. I'm just like, calm her down, like uh, play her something funny on TV. Laughter is always good, I, I find. But yeah, man, it's, it's understanding that dosing, like you said, and how much should each person take. And then I, I didn't mention, I forgot, I kind of skipped over that. But on our homepage, we have a drug interaction database. So basically what it, mm. what it does, when you go into My DNA, you can go, uh, if you just, yeah, just click back or uh, whatever. So if you scroll down, uh, scroll down a little bit more, so get your mm. drug interaction report. So basically what this does is, it looks at over 200 something prescription medications that it may have a adverse response with cannabinoids. So you can just uh, fill it out if you, if you want. And basically, it, you can upload your own medications that you consume. And it'll tell you the medication that I consume now. You can just type any any type of medication that you want. So uh, click on any one of them. doesn't matter, just for as an example. Um, let's put uh, tramadol. If you just type in here T, it'll take you right to the T's. I don't take it, but I, I know of this drug. Uh, maybe it didn't work. Okay. Well, whatever. Let's, I mean, but whatever. Yeah. So, so any medication in here that has an, a possible adverse uh, effect. So it shows you the 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 brand name. It shows you the generic name, and it'll show you if this medication has an adverse effect. If it if it doesn't exist and it doesn't, it'll tell you that it does not have an adverse effect. So this one here. Uh, I just chose Ekana, something. And Conazole, I don't know what that is. I have no idea what this medication is. Uh, it's generic is uh, Conazole nitrate, but it is a strong inhibitor, uh, or cannabinoids, THC, is a strong inhibitor of this drug. So if you're on this medication and you're taking a cannabinoid formulation, you should know that it's going to inhibit the efficacy of your prescription medication. That's just one example. So this is really, really important. And what, what's uh, another popular drug that like a lot of people take? Because I, I think this, I, I want to... Warfarin. Okay. Uh, W-A-R-A, right? Yeah. Warfarin. Yeah. So uh, let's, let's, let's go down to the W's. Uh, Coumadin. Uh, what's a, what's an uh, what's an SSRI? I don't even know. Like um, benzodiazepines, right? Like uh, that's a that's a series of uh, of medications. Uh, clon- what what is that? There's another clonopin. Clonopin. That's what I was thinking of, but I don't see it there. It may not be uh, okay. associated with that. Um, clozapine. Maybe that's it. I have no idea. Let's let's see. Let's let's try it. This yeah. is a generic. Okay, so let's just because I think this is really really interesting. The fact that it's showing that it's a like this one is a yeah. moderate inhibitor. It's a moderate inhibitor. So what it's saying is like reduce your dose of cannabinoids if you're taking it, and depending on what type of metabolism you are, they'll consume at the same time because it can inhibit the efficacy. And uh, in uh, in very shortly we're releasing. A report like that for supplements and nutrients, and the reason why Ooh. the reason why we're doing it is uh, we were listening. I was listening to Dr. Bronda Patrick, and she was talking about a lot of the supplements that you want to consume 
you know, this time to boost your immune system, vitamin D, zinc. And I started doing research on zinc and certain cannabinoids can actually inhibit the efficacy of zinc. So if you're taking these supplements and nutrients, you should be aware that certain cannabinoids can inhibit that. And that's all we're trying to do is provide you knowledge so you can make informed decisions. It's an empowerment tool, right? The more you know about yourself, the better decisions you can make about your overall consumption and your overall endocannabinoid system. Um, one thing I want to point out, two more things in the report, and then uh, well, you can ask any questions you want. I find this to be interesting, uh, the major depressive feelings. And I'll tell you why. Because you were talking about, you know, indicas and sativas, uh, which really don't exist anymore. Uh, we bred most of those things out. Original, original indica uh, cultivars uh, came uh, from uh, Southeast Asia, like Nepal, the uh, Kashmir region, a lot of that. And, and the reason why they were, they were called indicas or the reason why they were native to that, uh, they came from a harsh climate. So they have four seasons there. And the plant itself is an extremely intelligent plant. So what it does, when it's stressed, it <clears throat> releases this these essential oils. So when the plant was stressed by the weather or the predators that were native to that area, it created this uh, terpene profile, the smell that smelled skunkier or diesel So you can smell it and you associate that with an indica. So yeah. those plants grew uh, wider, the leaves are different, they had a different native smell to them. And the other plants, the sativa plants, they were native to more of a humid climate. So like uh, South Africa, the Durbans, uh, Durban poison, etc. cetera, uh, you have the Hawaiian uh, strains or cultivars. They grow towards the sun. Maui, wowie. Maui, wowie. One of the best. <laughs> one of the best pure, uh, Durban, one of the best pure sativas because it's filled with limonene. And a lot of these different terpene profiles, and they smell fruitier and they were native. To, uh, they released these different terpenes to address the predators that were native to that uh, area. But as we started growing and combining, we created, everything's a hybrid. We don't have those, uh, what they're called land races as much anymore. So what you want to look at in the Casativa, you want to look at the terpene profile. If you don't know what it is, I had an experience. I went to San Francisco, I went to a dispensary. And the beautiful dispensary, great menu. I'm looking at all this stuff. I'm like, all right, let me try this. So what are your terpene profiles? Like, no, I said, could, I said, smell it for me. What do you think it is? Guy goes, uh, my, I don't have a good sense of smell. Wow. <laughs> I was like, you're working as a bunch of I said, let me smell it. And I can tell you. And then he gathered people around. They're working dispensary and had me smell things and tell them, what do you think it is? That's I'm so like, funny. your nose knows. So if you're, if you're prone, and the reason why I bring this up, I want to I point this out. So it says that, uh, Joshua, you may have a, uh, you may have some, association with depressive feelings, right? So you may be prone to some depressive feelings. And that's the case, you want to be aware when you're consuming a indica-dominant hybrid. And you were talking about, you know, consuming that at night. Uh, one more story uh, where this kind of came up. I had a friend of mine that was going through a pretty bad divorce. And uh, he was like, he was in bed and he was calling me up. He's like, I know you said, you always say that cannabis makes you feel better. I'm smoking and I can't get out of bed and I'm feeling worse. I'm like, oh, well, what are you consuming? 
goes, I don't know. Oh. I'm, like, I'm like, that's the first thing you do is you find out what you're consuming. All right, give me, give me the thing. And I, I realized it was an indica dominant hybrid. And I went and I said, let me see your results. I'm like, and I remembered, I'm like, he had a very similar genotype. I said, you need to shift what you're consuming. It needs to be a lift up. So something that boosts serotonin, limonene boosts serotonin, gives you a lift up. And a few days later, he called me up. He's like, I'm out of bed. I'm feeling much better. So it's that alignment of what you consume versus what your genetic predisposition is. Because what he did was he triggered, turned on his epigenetic response to those depressive feelings. So you have those uh, that other predisposition towards depressive feelings. And that's probably why you're natively uh, either kind of attracted to more of a sativa dominant hybrid. So just be aware yeah. when you're consuming your indicas and if you're feeling down, just be aware of that. I, again, that's very fascinating because at what point in in any of our history have we gotten some, something so tailored to us, right? A lot of times it's when you go to the to your health practitioner that yeah. you trust, right? A lot of times it's, you know, you're the Eastern medicine philosopher that you, that you believe in, yeah. or, uh, you know, sometimes it, sometimes it is your doctor, right? Yeah, like for instance, I just- Functional integrative medicine is trying to go along exactly. those lines for sure, you're right. Like, like for instance, I was just, before we started our, our um, interview today, I just got back from a chiropractor and it was the first time in my 39 years being alive that, that my scoliosis was addressed in a way that got me to go, aha, oh my gosh. Like, because I was able to see, because there's a difference between getting an x-ray in a vacuum situation, right? Where you, it's just a static x-ray where you're just there and it's like, well, this is where you are. But he did like eight different x-rays, you know, where I'm in different positions and testing to see if like, is it gonna have an effect? And, and so I walked away thinking, wow, that. What if everything was broken down like this? That's why I have you here. Yeah. Because you're breaking down something that that all of us could be tapping into from from elderly, you know, people that are in pain to people who, you know, uh, who may feel like they are ADD and they need to be able to hyperfocus like there's something out there for you possibly. Yeah, no, you absolutely right on. And, and and the goal is number one we build this to help people avoid an adverse experience. That's the number one reason why, because a lot of people who try it for the first time and say, oh my God, I can't consume this anymore, may have tried the wrong thing. Number two, we want to show people there is science. So when I said your report shows, your genotype shows you have a predisposition to depressive feelings, as you can see, and you'll show your audience, everything has a peer-reviewed reference. So there's a link to a reference in the uh, PubMed and CBI database uh, or any other study that's been done, and it has to have a peer-reviewed reference for every single thing that we point out. Uh, number three, uh, when you go back to the report, uh, you see this link, it says, how do you compare it to other populations? So we wanna show you that you are unique, not only as an individual, but as an ancestral her heritage uh, group. So if your ancestral heritage is of uh, East Asian descent, or of African descent, or of European descent, you can see how prevalent that genotype is for your population group, how it is an average population. But you can see if you're of a uh, this, if you're of a you know Eastern European descent or European descent, this may be a lot more common than it is if you're of uh, you know East Asian or African descent. So that's really important to know where you kind of fit into in your population groups. Super fascinating. 
This is super fascinating. So <clears throat> was there anything else that jumped out? And, and again, I mean, we've, we've been going. Yeah, this I'm going to, I'm going to do this this way. So I'll, I'll kind of summarize it really quickly. Uh, we have something called a personalized wellness plan. So the personalized wellness plan actually is a summary. And what it does, it looks at every single one of your genes or your genotypes that has a predisposition, and it gives you one suggestion to address that specific symptomatic condition. So in your summary, your personalized wellness plan, it says major depressive feelings, and this is your, this is your formulation for depressive feelings. So if you're feeling it, or to mitigate the expression of that gene, limonene, linalool, more one-to-one balance, that's your friend, okay? However, if it's focus, so focus because you have a predisposition to working memory impairment with chronic THC use. So I have the same thing. If you use a lot of THC, I don't remember where I left my glasses <laughs> in or my head or my car keys are. All right, but I know that's temporary, so it's only while my, you know, I'm under the influence of THC. But if that's the case, and for, for ADD, for my purposes of ADD, this is a really good formulation to get that pinene, to get the terpeneal, and those are your terpenes to help focus, get those windows uh, focused. And it breaks it down with a primary terpene profile and a secondary Absolutely, yeah. Terpene. So cannabinoid uh, ratio, CBD, THC. And the reason why there's a ratio, there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, in the very beginning, we also have a survey. That survey asks you specific relevant questions and it gives you a baseline on your cannabis use, etc. So we can see where you are when you started. And as you're consuming a formulation or protocol, we can go back and say, how are you doing now? And we can compare and the system can learn what's working better. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, it gives you the primary and secondary terpene profile. If you have a full spectrum CBD, the reason why we suggest that, if you have uh, some issues with dependence on different substances, you do have a very, very small variance for schizophrenia. However, there's only one study that's supporting this. We have to include that in. And it's extremely, extremely rare where somebody has been triggered this psychotic response that's associated with schizophrenia. This is not a diagnostic tool. But if you have that, just be aware that psychosis can be triggered as long, as long with, uh, along with cyclical vomiting syndrome. And, right. and in, inflammatory bowel disease. <laughs> I don't want to say that. I don't want to, I don't want to call you out on that, but it, it's there. So let's, let's go with that. Uh, for immune, and there are certain conditions that are associated with immune, uh, and I, I, I do associate it with stress still, that I can affect your immunal health. And if that's the case, uh, still beta caryophyllum, which reduces inflammation. That's your friend. Uh, and then humulene as well. Uh, relief, and that talks about uh, inflammation in your joints, so uh, rheumatoid arthritis, etc. Uh, this is your formulation, still beta caryophyllin and myrcene. And myrcene is also found in those indica uh, dominant hybrids. That's the one that smells diesel and Myrcene looked, <clears throat> I, so again, while you're talking about this, if you're, if you're watching this, we'll, we'll include some of this, but um, what I also, because I, I look at this almost right away. This yeah. was one of the first things I looked at. And I was like, oh, what does all this mean? And then um, you can click on everything. And like you said, there's there's reports, you know, um, to PubMed that, that show everything with. So if, if for those of you that need the research, the research is provided for you right there, which is yeah. great. But then the other thing, too, is like about uh, the different terpenes. You can click in to read about the terpenes. Yeah. And I thought that 
was very, very interesting. And um, Mersine seems to be amazing. Linalool yeah. as well. Um, yeah, if yeah. you click on like about relief, it'll show you all the uh, information about the individual ingredients. Uh, not only can you click on the terpene, but you can click on the studies that are associated with that uh, terpene profile. Uh, Beta-caryophyllin is one of my favorites. They actually think it may be a minor cannabinoid now. There's uh, talks about that. But it comes from, uh, it's found also in black pepper and clove in, in, in little uh, amounts. But it's an amazing anti-inflammatory. And if you're using cannabis as your supplement, I would definitely look to include beta-caryophyllin. Beta yeah, it's absolutely a great anti-inflammatory <clears throat> tool. Uh, response is uh, that stress and anxiety, and that's a little beta caryophyllin as well. So you see, there's a pattern. There's some these these smells, these terpenes. Some of them are really good for your overall health and wellness. And the last for, one for my overall health for and yours wellness. personalized. <laughs> so uh, the last one is bruc is uh, uh, bruxism of sleep deprivation. Uh, bruxism is grind your teeth. Yeah. Which I just before this I went to get my teeth clean, and I was told that I do a lot of clenching and grinding. So Mercy. That's, my, that's my formulation <clears throat> and with sleep deprivation. This is a lot of information, right? So I want to kind of summarize it in this way. People ask, all right, I got it. Can you just tell me one single uh, formulation? What do I need? And I'm like, it depends. What drug or what supplement are you going to take that gives you everything? What are you trying to address? So maybe, Josh, you were saying, Maybe your daytime formulation is to help you focus. Maybe that gives you a little bit of lift, so you have your focus formulation. Think about it as your, your day quill. I don't know what else to use in, as an analogy. And maybe at night, as you do, you change your formulation to help you unwind and relax. And that's a different formulation, so that's your NyQuil. Hopefully you're not taking your NyQuil during the day when you're driving and you don't mix the two up, but you have your personalized recipe. That's your recipe. So you can take this, take it to a dispensary, uh, depending where you reside. Uh, you some, you know, we're in California, so we're lucky we have delivery services, dispensary, we can get that product right away. Uh, but if you're in different states, uh, we took it kind of a step further. And what we did was we have this marketplace database. Uh, we don't sell any products on our site, but what we do is we look at certificates of analysis, which are the test results for products. And that's why we're urging manufacturers and other uh, people that are creating these products to be able to share the test results. So we take that, we run it through an algorithm. We look at you know your cannabinoid and terpene profile, and we give you how close your product matches your suggested ratio. Uh, you know, in full disclosure, we help manufacture these products, specific ones for this company. There's many other products. And if it's a product that has 0.3% THC or less, you can go to the manufacturer's website and you can order and get delivered right to your home. If it has 0.3% THC or more, then you can go to the manufacturer's website. You put in your zip code, it'll geofence and show you which dispensary closest to you carries a product like this or uh, this product or a similar product. That's kind of how- You've made it so easy for us, man. <clears throat> You've made it so easy to make ourselves optimized, right? Like to, you know, because there, there's a whole thing known as um, nutrient deficiency mm -hmm. and nutrient sufficiency. And I want to start coining the phrase cannabinoid or endo, in, endocannabinoid sufficiency or deficiency. I love it. Right? Yeah. And so- let, let's figure out ways that we can become deficient 
And, you know, maybe you never take it. But if you're someone that struggles with sleep, if you're someone who struggles with stress, if you're someone who struggles with pain, maybe there's a safe alternative backed by science. And it's helping a lot of people that's far better than a lot of these over-the-counter drugs. I'm just putting it out there. Uh, Absolutely. And much less... Uh, residual side effects and adverse reactions and all that stuff. And at the end of the day, I have a theory about uh, endocannabinoid deficiency. So this may be supported by science at some point, <laughs> but, this, but this is my theory. So prior to prohibition, uh, animals and uh, water, hemp and cannabis grew and it grew naturally in the world. So animals would eat it, it would be in our water supply. We would get cannabinoids as part of our nutrients. After prohibition, that stopped, they stopped doing that. So we have a deficiency. All of us are walking around with a deficiency in our own uh, endogenous endocannabinoids. So uh, this is a way to be able to subsidize that. I may have more than you and vice versa. So you know how much your deficiency is, but it's always a good idea to supplement that when you find out what it is with phytocannabinoids and then listening to your body and understanding your body's going to tell you, oh, I had enough. That's enough. And then you brought up, you know, people vomiting and people. That's absolutely true. That happens with people. And that's the same thing as, uh, man, I, I hate comparing it to alcohol, but you can have a glass of wine and it'll be okay. Or you can drink a bottle of gin and be in the toilet. So how much you take and what, what you consume, you know, listen to your body. This is great. <clears throat> Obviously, I'm going to have to have you back on, bro. And, um, and, you know, this is the part of the show where we'll start to kind of wrap it up. Um, I definitely want to give everyone an opportunity to find out more about you, yeah. about EndoDNA and EndoCanna Health. Um, but there's two things I always like to ask people when I have them on the show. Uh, two things that are that are interesting, I find interesting, but also important. And um, the first question is, what are your top two pet peeves? Okay, so I like to, I, I just throw randomness out there because I feel like whenever I bring someone onto the show, we're obviously going to talk about what they do best, like their companies, the things that they talk about, and things like that. Um, and it's usually from a point of being very positive about all of these things. But sometimes I like to understand what makes a person tick. And um, I'm going to be doing a lot more conversations around the word nunchi. And so stay tuned for those of you who don't know what that means. But um, when we know what makes a person tick, as in we know their pet peeves and whatnot, then it's it's easier for us to be able to express and practice nunchi. And so um, that's why I like to ask people and I like to kind of know, because look, man, maybe... Maybe you don't want the lights on whenever uh, we hang out. But if every time we hang out, the lights are always on, I, I, I could have used a much different <laughs> analogy. I'm, I, I'm trying to see where you go with that. You want lights on or off? I don't know. Let's, I don't know where we're going with this. Let's one, get romantic, right. man. I'm, let's I'm, get, good with, I'm good with either. I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, it's just like understanding a person's pet peeves allows at least for me yeah. to be able to make that person feel good all the time when I'm with them. Yeah. So what are your top two pet peeves? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. Um, I, one, of, one of my pet peeves is when people say, I don't have enough time. Mm. And I, I really think that we all have exactly the same amount of time. So it's how you utilize your time because I tend to maybe work more 
than somebody else. But if if you connect to the reason why you're doing something, you always make time. Yeah. So don't tell me there's not enough time. It's just not important enough for you to make time to that uh, for that. So that that's one of my pet peeves. Good one. And the second one is uh, when you have the lights on. I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, you know what it is. It's 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 sort of. Uh, it has to do a lot with um, uh, people not being open, and uh, maybe this is a. I, I get this in LA a lot. Uh, there's a certain flakiness to individuals uh, mm. in, in in LA, and my whole thing is if I'm going to say something, I'm going to give it a hundred percent. And if I'm unable to do that, I'm going to communicate with you straight up and tell you, hey, man, drop the ball. I did something. It's it's my fault. I take ownership and accountability. And I believe a lot of people do not do that. They start making excuses and they start creating all these different stories of why something. I don't want to hear that stuff. So that's that's, <laughs> to, to that's that no, that's a really good one. And, and that quickly brings up yeah. uh, um, a shout out to Anya. Yeah, who 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 you work very closely with, yeah. um, you know. Whenever because I reached out to you guys yeah. after seeing all this stuff that was out there, and I was just so excited. I want to I want to do something, and there was finally someone out there, ladies and gentlemen. There was someone out there that was as much of a go getter as I am. So I reached out, and normally I get the response back like, "Oh, hey, Josh, thanks for reaching out. You know, we can talk to you sometime next week when it's good for you." She literally was like, when's a good time to talk? And I was like, well, normally afternoons. She was like, how about 2 o'clock today? I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, so no, good on you. a badass. And, and it's a culture thing. And everybody, I don't know what company you have, if you work for a company, if you have a group of friends. It's, it's a culture. You instill those kind of values in yourself and you communicate those values to everybody else who you associate with. And you set those expectations without having expectations. And that's really, really important because everybody is vibrating at the same frequency. And yeah, shout out to everybody in uh, in my company because that's the value. And I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because that's the value that we instill. We are proactive. We're not going to wait for something to happen. We're going to go and get it. And I think uh, partially, not, not to sort of dissect my, my uh, uh, sitting on the, on the psychology couch, but my dad used to tell me growing up, I came from a pretty abusive household and I talk to my dad like every day now, so everything is cool. But I grew up with having instilled in me that I'm a lazy, uh, do nothing kind of thing. And my whole thing's, uh-huh, I'm gonna show you. So I always felt guilty, even sitting on the couch unwinding, I'm like, shit, what else could I be doing working? So that's taken it to an extreme level, but that's the level of I can make anything happen and so can anybody if you just act, put in an effort. And there, I had a mentor years ago. I was a commercial real estate broker for, for a minute. And I did pretty well and was very successful at that. And one of the reasons why is he told me this fact. He said, when people call into a real estate office, 50% of the people don't respond right away. So the first person that responds has a 90% chance of getting that listing or whatever it is. So I made friends with a receptionist. I said, any call that comes through, I want to be first. first. And I would respond right away. And that's, I built a team around mm. that. So being first, being responsive, being proactive, 
And like, that's my- Dude, I, I love it, man. This is such a brilliant conversation. Um, we, we've got one more question yeah. and it ends up being my, probably my most favorite part of the show because I think gratitude is very important. And, um, and that question is, what is something you're most grateful for? And it doesn't have to be about your work and what you do, just anything that comes to mind. What is yeah. something you're most grateful for? Yeah, this is an easy one for me, and I, I am completely aligned with your gratitude. It's, it's my go-to, especially when in a stressful situation. I always think about three things I'm grateful for. Easy, it's easiest thing to do. Uh, I live in L.A. It's, it's, it's winter time, and I'm in a T-shirt. You know, th- those kind of things. But the, the number one thing I always go to is my daughter. Uh, I mean, I am super grateful for having a person in my life who taught me so much. And the main thing that I learned from her is this unconditional love. Like, I've never felt anything like that in my life. So I am super grateful for having her and teaching me this uh, this connection to this other side of me that has this uh, deep, loving part that's inside. So. Oh, that's so beautiful. <laughs> that, that That makes my heart smile, mostly because... In a week, a week from today, I'll be uh, able to see my son, who is almost two years old. Awesome. I'll be able to see him very soon in Germany, and it's it's been uh, it's been a very one of the most challenging times of um, this this pandemic. Um, aside from everything else, that's that's challenging. Right. Um, not being able to see my son for more than um, for almost a year has been quite uh, challenging, but. We're gonna rectify that very soon. That's I'm gonna right. see my son, that's right. um, and that's that's another conversation that ends up that's gonna become, I think, a big part of this show at some point um, because I've been able to, on the outside looking in, with a very very close and direct connection with with my son, I've been able to watch him progress and grow, and it's just one of the most beautiful things to ever witness in life. Um, so that, that brings me so much joy just I to hear that. I love it, man. I love it. I, mine, mine is 16, so I went through the, the two-year-old. And, and just to tell you, I lived in Philly for a year, and I was going back and forth, and I didn't see my daughter for like six months at a time. Uh, wow. And it was a very challenging experience. And then I, I gave up everything and moved here when nothing started over again because it was worth just to connect with her, and it was completely worth it. So. Beautiful. <laughs> Look at that, everybody. And we ended, here we are talking about drugs. <laughs> and then we finish with happiness, right? And That's we're not right. fighting. None of that happens, right? Because we're, we're, we're good people. That's right. <laughs> okay, cool. So um, thank you again for coming onto the show. Please let my followers and listeners know um, how they can best get in touch with you to find out more about you and your company. Please let them know. Yeah, we're endodna, E-N-D-O-D-N-A.com. Um, Len May uh, on all the social handles. Len May, I think Instagram is Len May DNA. It's L-E-N-M-A-Y. Reach out if anybody has questions, direct message me and I appreciate the opportunity, brother. Also, this is a perfect time to reiterate, uh, use code JOSH20 Correct. and that'll get you... 20%, 20 percent yep. off and um, and you can also um, reach out to either myself or to Lynn and um, if you need help you want some help going over yeah. your 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 results 
Um, he's offered to help out. Um, I, 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 I don't know what I'm talking about with, with all this stuff, but like, it would be interesting to maybe have another conversation. And, and I want to do more to help out. So anything yeah. I can do to help you, let me know. Um, I think it would be cool to have more discussions around this because it's very important. And um, I want to give a shout out to my, my good friends at uh, 66 Roots. Um, in, in Chandler, Oklahoma, where I'm from, uh, my boys, uh, Mike Bay, Josh Riley, and Liz, Liz is the wife and she's probably the, the, the brainchild, the boss of it all. But they're the ones I was talking about that have the, um, the dispensary and also the grow operation there in Chandler, Oklahoma, of all places, which I never thought was going to become like legal there, but it is. Um, and I, I want to maybe at some point link you, you, you guys up so that they can start doing more of this there because, um, you know, my dad still lives in Chandler. I want him to be able to have access to this kind of stuff. My mom's in Oklahoma city. Um, I want her to be able to have access to this stuff. So, um, if I, if I want to do it for myself, do it for my family, I may as well may as well and then um we can extend all of this benefit to everyone listening and watching so thank you for your time thank you for watching thank you for listening and lynn hi brother man i really appreciate it thank you man all right until next time everybody this is simply walk the talk i'm signing out and i'm puffing away walk the talk talking facts move like me but i move a little fast make my move here to last fasten these seat belts i'm coming past take care of me longevity hack my biology better believe walking the talk so mind and body connected better come give us a listen better come give us a minute or two open the box up we giving you tools giving your engine the fuel that it needs breathing into it it's autoimmune make a connection we're stronger in two making us one of a kind of a few work on the mind but show me your moves if you do what you say you know what to do yeah